Hiya! So today we are talking about the Amber Heard Johnny Depp saga again! I haven't touched this topic since like December of 2022 when I talked about the settlement that Amber and Johnny agreed to. And you would think that that would kind of put this whole issue to bed, that we wouldn't need to talk about it ever again, but of course we do. Especially because over the last few weeks, there have been a lot of new documents unsealed from the Fairfax County trial, and some of them are very, very interesting. Including notes from Amber Heard's therapy sessions from the first few years of her relationship with Johnny, this is something we already knew kind of existed because it was mentioned in the appeal brief and Amber also mentioned them in an interview that she did after the trial with like, I think it was NBC News or something. So if you've been following the case, you've been aware that these notes existed for a while, but we didn't have access to the actual documents until just very recently. I had become aware that someone had obtained them and posted excerpts that they had transcribed on the uh, Depp Delusion subreddit. I have mentioned that subreddit before. I go there occasionally to like gather info because people often do post links to documents and articles and other resources there. It is a very pro Amber Heard subreddit and you know I really tried when I was first going into all this to be really really neutral in how I approached researching this case. I didn't want to gather info that only benefited one side, but the more involved in the case that I've gotten, the less trustworthy and productive I have found pro-dep forums and communities to be, or even forums and communities claiming to be neutral. Johnny Depp stands and supporters have been pretty much dominating this discourse for a while, and in increasingly unhinged and conspiratorial ways. I definitely understand the people who were sympathizing with Johnny like a year ago. If most of your exposure to this case was the Virginia trial, information in that court was pretty heavily manipulated in his favor, so I do kind of get why so much of the public support went to Johnny last year, but... A lot of stuff has come out since, a lot of documents have been unsealed, and if you're actively following this case and you still think that Johnny is innocent, I think that you think that because you just want to. I don't think you're really approaching the argument in good faith with any willingness to listen to Amber Heard's story, because at this point, the evidence is just so overwhelmingly in Amber's favor that I, I can't imagine still holding on to any sort of trust in Johnny Depp. Um, I understand that some people haven't kept up with the case that closely, so there probably are a lot of people who sided with Johnny a year ago and still do because they haven't been paying attention to everything that's come out since. Especially since none of these updates have really been as widely circulated as the trial itself because that became such a huge thing on social media while it was actually happening. So yeah, there's a lot of people out there who probably still believe that Johnny Depp is innocent who are doing it in total good faith, but the people who are participating in these communities themselves and the people who are following this issue really closely, ah, uh, yeah, I mean, I get that it's hard to admit that you were wrong sometimes, but, you know, you gotta, occasionally. So I'm sure that there are people who will accuse me of being 
unfair and biased against Johnny Depp because I am most often looking for new information through plainly pro-Amber communities, but if the arguments and evidence being submitted by Johnny Depp supporters made any sense, I would be exploring those communities more. But they don't, so... I have been trying to go through all of these unsealed documents, but there are a lot, and the fact that so much of this stuff was excluded from being seen by a jury is outrageous. It exposes a lot of flaws in the justice system. These therapy notes in particular should absolutely not have been excluded from the trial, but they unfortunately were. They were deemed hearsay because I guess the arguments being made is that these were just things that Amber told her therapist. It was not things that her therapist directly witnessed, so it's hearsay. Who's to say that Amber wasn't lying in all those therapy sessions? But number one, the therapist who wrote these notes might not have been a witness to the events that Amber recounted in the notes, but she was still absolutely a witness to Amber's mindset. So if Amber says that she was traumatized by events, then her therapist is still a witness to expressions of that trauma, so... It seems pretty reasonable and relevant that those notes be included. But number two, this is a defamation case. So any contemporaneous communication between Amber and other parties that took place prior to the allegedly defamatory statements that Amber made in the Washington Post article in 2018, that's all evidence that Amber wasn't just making up those claims for a 2018 Washington Post article. This was stuff that she had been saying years prior to that event, which goes to show that it wasn't actually defamation. It wasn't something that Amber made up on the spot as a petty act of revenge or as a way to hype herself up or whatever the theory is for why she did it. I don't even know. And going off of that, even if Amber was lying in all of those contemporaneous reports of abuse prior to 2018, all the times that she texted friends and family saying that something happened to her, all the times that she sought medical treatment, including for her mental health, like with these therapy notes, even if she was lying in all that stuff that the court deemed hearsay, wouldn't Johnny want to include that as evidence of his own claims? Because then Amber didn't just defame him in one Washington Post article, she defamed him in private conversations for years in a calculated harassment campaign. It's kind of weird that Amber would be lying in all of these texts and therapy sessions, and yet Johnny doesn't care about any of that. He only cares about what she wrote in one Washington Post article where she never even mentioned his name. But then on top of it, too... Johnny's legal team actually used the omission of those records of Amber's abuse as proof that she was lying. Like, they said that Amber never sought treatment or reported any of the abuse she faced, which was a blatant lie. She did report it to other people privately. She told her therapist about it. She did call the police at one point, or Io called the police. She did seek medical treatment. Like, it's all just so ridiculous that the court allowed this to happen by not allowing Amber to submit all of her evidence. Like, I, I, I'll never really get over it, I don't think. But now that all of these documents are going public, the defenses that I'm seeing from Johnny Depp supporters, they're pretty illustrative of how disconnected from reason and reality that group has become. Because with the therapy notes in particular, 
The current tactic coming from Johnny Depp supporters that I've seen is not to challenge the things that Amber said in her therapy sessions, uh, not to find contradictions or claim that Amber was lying to her therapist, not to find evidence of Amber's abuse of Johnny in these notes. None of that. I mean, maybe some of it in, like, small pockets of that group of supporters, but for the most part, the only argument that I've really seen coming from Team Johnny is that the notes aren't real. That is what I'm seeing Johnny Depp supporters saying online, is that these notes are fake, Amber wrote them herself, they're even trying to do, like, handwriting analysis to prove that these were written by Amber and not her therapist, and I saw other therapists being like, I'm a therapist and I write all of my notes in shorthand. I don't write out real long sentences like this, so these must be fake because that's not how a real therapist would write her notes. And it's like, okay, well, different people write their notes differently. This is like with the fucking poop on the bed thing where Amber very reasonably says like, oh yeah, the dog pooped on the bed. She's done it before, which we know that she has because we have like text messages of Amber talking about her dog pooping on the bed prior to that incident. The dog was known to have just, like, bowel issues that they had to go to a vet for. Makes perfectly reasonable sense that the dog pooped on the bed. That is a reasonable story. But then, all these Johnny Depp supporters want to come in and be like, um, but that doesn't look like a dog poop to me. So, it's like, okay, well, you're an expert in dog poop now? That doesn't make any sense. And also, why was everyone acting like that poop was so large? It really wasn't. It really was not. Everyone was like, oh no, a small dog couldn't do that. Yes, it could. Whatever, I'm getting off track, but it's like, I just don't understand all these people acting like, because they've never seen a small dog with that size of poop before, they're like, oh, she must be lying. And because they can find one therapist who says that she doesn't write her notes that way, in the same way that Amber does, they're like, oh, then Amber wrote them. Like, no, that's not how that works, actually. Different dogs poop different amounts, different therapists write notes differently. Pretty reasonable concept. Anyway, I'm gonna read from some of Amber's therapy notes, but I needed to just get that out of the way first, that these are real notes. And I know that they're real because they were submitted to the court. That's how people got access to these documents. They were in the possession of the Fairfax County Court. And Amber would not have submitted fucking forged therapy notes to a court when she knew that they could be verified. I guarantee you, the court is not just taking everything that a defendant hands them as evidence and being like, oh, okay, these must be real because you said so. No, they're gonna verify that these came from Dr. Bonnie Jacobs, which they did. And if they didn't come from Dr. Jacobs, and they came from Amber Heard writing them herself, then don't you think that Johnny and his team would have wanted to pursue that in their case? That would be more evidence of Amber's, like, crimes. Like, she would be falsifying, like, medical documents, and it would be evidence that she was so intent on harassing Johnny Depp that she was forging therapy notes. These notes were not excluded from the trial because they were fake. They were excluded because they were deemed hearsay, okay? So they're real. And this is what I mean when I say that you really can't even have, like, productive conversations with Johnny supporters anymore. 
They don't want to interact with actual evidence. They want to live in a world where Amber Heard is such a calculated evil genius that she falsified medical documents and got away with it. But anyway, I want to give a thank you to the Reddit user, the Survivor Buff, for sending me these documents after I messaged them. Um, so you can request documents from the Fairfax County Court. Uh, from what I understand, it's like 50 cents per page. And some of these files are like thousands of pages, which is why I never sent in and requested them myself. Um, but different people have started requesting different files with like specific page ranges and stuff um, and then have been sharing them with one another and posting them online. So we're kind of like slowly putting together all of the unsealed documents that way. At this point, I feel like we've probably gotten all or almost all of the documents unsealed. If you've been following my coverage on this trial, you probably already know that I have a page on my website where I have been organizing info about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp and their, their whole relationship, not just like the Fairfax trial, but you know, also the UK trial and then the appeal and yada yada. I'm trying to keep all of it in like an organized chronological timeline and that is what I based my five-hour episode of this podcast talking about the allegations from. So since so much has been made public since I first started making that timeline and I did that five-hour-long episode, I have been updating the page on my website with a lot of this new information, and I'm gonna do another episode going over the timeline again. This time, it's probably gonna be, like, a video because that's easier to share and circulate and whatever, um, but I'll still put it up as, like, an episode of this podcast, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to put all of this into one storyline yet again with all the added information. I'm hoping that it will be shorter than five hours this time because I think like last time I was still trying to give everyone like a fair amount of time and a fair amount of um consideration toward each argument. So I was going back and forth a lot between like, oh, this is what Amber said happened. This is what Johnny said happened. This is what I think makes more sense. At this point, I don't... I don't care to give Johnny Depp's side as much equal consideration because I gave them a lot of consideration and it's all bullshit. Like, every new thing that comes out and even all the stuff that was available as information to be looked into back in, like, August when I did it, even then, like, the evidence is just so overwhelmingly in Amber's favor that I can't act like it's not. I think that would also be incredibly, um, dishonest to try to act like these two people are giving equally reasonable arguments. They're not. Amber Amber has way more evidence on her side than Johnny does, and that's just true. So the new episode will be more like, here's a somewhat short look at all of the evidence that Amber heard wasn't lying. So I spent some time over the last few weeks adding things to the page. I have more things to add in this coming week, and if you have any suggestions, please let me know. I'm slowly going through all the documents that have been recently unsealed, but there are thousands of pages, so it's kind of a lot, and it's hard to know exactly which documents I should be paying more attention to. So any ideas, let me know. But this episode, we're just going to focus on the therapy notes, because they are 
very, very substantive in what they reveal about Amber and Johnny's relationship, especially toward the beginning of their relationship, which I really didn't have that much info on. Like, they got together end of 2011-ish, and then I didn't have a whole lot of stuff in between then and the first allegation of, like, assault that Amber made, which was in early 2013, so these notes are definitely really helpful in understanding the dynamic that Amber and Johnny had in, like, 2011-2012. Now, obviously, it is a bit icky to be reading someone else's therapy notes, because that is something that is typically very private. It is not meant to become subject for public consumption. But let's remember that Amber's team is the one that submitted these documents. Amber wanted these to be used as evidence. And anything that's not related to the abuse allegations have been omitted from the, um, the file that the court had. There's a lot of stuff that's blacked out. I'm assuming there are probably also, like, full pages missing. So at least some other aspects of Amber's life have retained some amount of privacy, even if her relationship from 2011 to 2016 has been very thoroughly examined by the public. But I think we should at least acknowledge the fact that Amber shouldn't have been put into the position in which she felt like she needed to submit her own therapy session notes as evidence that she's not lying about the abuse. So. Amber's privacy has been horrifically violated by all of this, and I just hope that by people sharing all of this evidence that vindicates her, she can eventually get some of that privacy back when she's not one of the internet's biggest villains. But let's just get into these notes. The first date that I have here um, is October 17th, 2011. I don't think it's the first therapy session in which Amber mentioned Johnny, it's just the first that we have record of at this point because it says Amber decided to date Johnny in the notes or decided to date Jay. So I'm assuming that this this idea of dating Johnny was already brought up in sessions prior. I would have kind of liked to see those notes, um, but I guess maybe they're not totally relevant because they weren't in a relationship at the time. But I would think that maybe maybe Amber had said anything to Dr. Jacobs about how Johnny was going about, like, wooing her, which could be relevant to, you know, allegations of love bombing that I, well, I guess I shouldn't say allegations because I don't think that Amber Heard has specifically accused him of love bombing, but the patterns that I've noticed from Johnny and his previous relationships indicates to me that he probably does love bomb quite a lot. So I would have liked to know more from, like, that period before they were actually dating, like, what he was doing to entice her into getting into a relationship with him, but whatever, it's fine. But Dr. Jacobs wrote that Amber and Johnny were deciding to keep their relationship secret due to Johnny's split from Vanessa. That's gonna go on for a bit. This is another thing, too, where I guess I was aware that they kept their relationship secret for a while, but until you see it being brought up in, like, therapy session after therapy session after therapy session, it doesn't really, like, hit you how long it was and how much that would suck to be kept, like, a secret, especially when he is already split from his former partner. Yeah, he hasn't announced it to the press yet, but why? I mean, this is just something that I think, if I had been on Amber's team, I would have told her to talk more about that because it doesn't seem like something that is 
directly related to the abuse, but it does kind of illustrate that their relationship started on this very uneven ground where she wanted to be public and he was continuously telling her no because he hadn't yet announced his breakup from his previous partner. Like, it's not an abusive tactic within itself. It could be something totally innocent, but it does say something about the amount of security that Amber would have felt in the relationship. At this stage, though, back in October 2011, Amber was telling her therapist that she really likes the way that Johnny treats her. He even bought her a white horse, which, again, I think is probably indicative of his love-bombing tactics, you know, buy people nice stuff. That was one thing that I, I found very, very frustrating about the original trial and the way that people were talking about, like, Johnny's generosity and stuff, being like, oh, he gives so much stuff to other people, he's paying his friend's rent, he's letting people live in his house, yada yada yada, he's trying to pay for Amber's parents, and he pays all of his own family's bills, yada 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 yada. Yeah, generosity is cool, but it can also be a tool for manipulation, and it appears to have been definitely in the case of Johnny and Amber, all of the people that came forward in support of Johnny Depp at some point have been paid by Johnny Depp or given some sort of financial support, so whatever. He bought Amber a horse. That was the point that I was trying to make. Now, despite Amber liking the way that Johnny treats her, she does tell Dr. Jacobs that she is not so happy spending time with Johnny's friends. And... Even this early, we're already getting some sort of commentary about his drinking. Jacobs writes that Amber has talked to him about his drinking and asked him to slow down. She also says that Johnny knows about Amber's parents and childhood, and Amber felt bad for Johnny because his father was also an abusive alcoholic. And then it says, Johnny's father used belts and chains on him and also burned him with cigarettes. He has scars all over his body, including his head, from the abuse of his father. And when I read that, I was like, oh my god, I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it so much. You can go back and you can listen to my first episode on this entire thing. It was um, the problematic pasts of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. And when I was working on that episode, I didn't even have a fully established opinion yet on the abuse allegations. I was just starting my timeline and I was trying to get, like, some sort of background info for both parties to see, like, is there anything in their past that indicates abusive behavior? And both of them claim to have been abused themselves in childhood. And that is pretty relevant because it is pretty common for children of abuse to continue that cycle in some sort of way, either by being more vulnerable to being a victim themselves or being more likely to be the perpetrator of abuse. Those are both things that can happen from an abusive childhood. But there was something about the way that Johnny talked about the abuse he experienced as a kid and the amount of blame that he put on his mother that didn't quite sit right with me. And I said in that episode, I wonder if he's kind of downplaying the abuse that he faced at the hands of his father, because in his testimony at the Fairfax trial, he very much spoke of his father like he was this wonderful man whose only real fault was 
that he was also a victim of Johnny's mother's abuse and thus didn't stand up for his own kids when they were being abused by Johnny's mother. And I thought that was like a little weird, weird way to paint his father because I had known that Johnny's dad had also participated in the abuse to some degree from other stuff that I had read, written about like prior to this trial. And I had known that his dad did like abandon the family pretty much at one point. So I, I just thought it was a little odd that he was just letting his dad off the hook for like everything and placing all of the trauma that he faced in his childhood onto his mother. So I was like, there's one of two things happening or they could both be happening. Either, number one, he genuinely does blame all of his childhood trauma on his mom. And that's a pretty common thing to do for a lot of people. For instance, when I was reading Jamie Lynn Spears' book, uh, she, she talks about how abusive her father was and talks about his struggles with alcoholism and stuff kind of tearing the family apart. But throughout the book, she really places all the blame for that onto her mother and makes it seem like, well, her mom was enabling the abuse and the alcoholism, so it's really her mom's fault and she forgives her father, but her mom should have never allowed any of that stuff to happen in her childhood. And it's like, okay, I get it. If you have a child, you do have a responsibility to them to protect them from other people, including other family members. So yeah, some blame probably should go to Lynn Spears for allowing her kids to be in an environment in which Jamie Spears was incredibly abusive, but Jamie Spears is also one of those parents. So he also had a responsibility to not allow his children to be subject to abuse, including the abuse that he was inflicting onto them. So Jamie Spears should still get the bulk of the blame for anything that happened to the Spears children, but Jamie Lynn seems to have way, way, way more resentment toward her mother. And that's a thing that a lot of people do because there are expectations placed on women to be nurturing and protective of their children. And we don't really place those same expectations, at least to the same like level and standard, onto men. Men's abuse and neglect of their children is way more often ignored because we don't expect men to be nurturing. So perhaps Johnny genuinely felt like his mother wasn't really protecting him enough, and because he's already observably a misogynistic creep, he doesn't really blame his dad for anything. He thinks that male anger and male aggression is totally fine. That could maybe explain a bit of the glorification that his dad got in the trial, but really, I think the second reason is a little bit more more compelling because if Johnny was telling Amber about the abuse that he faced at the hands of his father, he definitely knows that his father was abusive. He doesn't totally blame his mother for it exclusively. So for him to act like his dad's biggest flaw was that he didn't leave Johnny's mother sooner, that appears to me to just be a flat-faced lie. I think that he was just lying on the stand, and I think that the reason he was lying is that he knew that he was setting up a kind of parallel story that people could see in him. Like if he said, oh, my mom was super abusive toward me and toward my father, and my father just took it for so many years and I never understood why he would do that, but now I understand. 
as a listener to that story, you take that as like, oh, poor Johnny. He was the victim of a woman's abuse just like his dad was, when in reality, he was a perpetrator of abuse just like his dad was. So it's, it's pretty bullshit, but it's a good story and it works very well to accomplish the narrative that Johnny is trying to tell about himself. So that's something to keep in mind here about how fucking calculated Johnny and his team were when setting up their testimony. Because there's no fucking way with how Johnny talked about his dad to Amber privately, as we can see in these notes, that he wasn't very, very knowingly putting a different spin on it in that court. Moving on, we have a note from November 10th where Dr. Jacobs writes, Amber is continuing to see Jay, but is becoming more concerned about his drinking and drug use. Sometimes so bad he needs help getting into bed, Pointed out she is enabling him in similar ways she enables parents, minus the money. Suggested not seeing him if he is drunk or stoned. Feels she can't do that, but will try. Four days later, it says that Amber tried refusing to see Johnny if he was drunk. He got angry, but the next time they met, he was mostly sober. Then it says that she was feeling better about the relationship, but was tired of hiding. She said she understands Johnny was not ready to go public. And then this statement really got me. Feels he knows best from a PR standpoint. And isn't that the fucking truth, Amber? Oh. Apart from the general misogyny of the public, the unfairness of the judicial system, the fact that Johnny just had more power and better resources than Amber, the biggest reason that Johnny's campaign against Amber succeeded in 2022, I think, is that Johnny is just better at PR than Amber is. He obviously has a better team, for one thing, because he has more money, but he just has, like, better instincts, probably because he's an incredibly manipulative person, and that's often what PR is, is manipulation and an ability to direct public attention where you want it. And that is something that Amber Heard is just not very good at, probably because, to me, she does seem like a pretty earnest person. I don't think that manipulating people comes totally natural to her, which is funny given the reputation that she's earned because of the way that Johnny and his supporters have tried to portray her, as if she is the mastermind behind this whole conspiracy against her ex-husband that she got away with for years before the 2022 trial. And I'm sorry, but Amber Heard is just not good enough at PR to pull something like that off. So it's a bit funny to see her Kind of acknowledge that in these therapy notes that Johnny knows best from a PR standpoint. That is very true, unfortunately. And normally, that wouldn't be a super huge deal. Most people, honestly, are not that good at PR. That's why there are PR teams. It's not something that just comes naturally to everybody. Anyway, also in the note for this date, it says that Amber worries when her and Johnny aren't together, and she is afraid to discuss his using or drinking because he will get loud and physical. Dr. Jacobs questioned if he has ever hit her, and she said that he only yells and throws things. Then on November 22nd, uh, there's just a note about Amber's father. She's worried that he was going to tell other people about her relationship with Johnny because they were still keeping it quiet. November 25th, Johnny promised that he would go public with their relationship in the new year. December 5th, there was a more in-depth discussion about Johnny's behavior and how it paralleled her father's. Uh, Amber said that Johnny had a loving side and her dad, not so much. 
Her dad really must fucking suck, too. If she's comparing him to Johnny and being like, well, Johnny has a more loving side. I mean, maybe, granted, that could have been in the part of their relationship where Johnny was being more loving, and maybe Amber's dad has that side to him, too, when he's in a new relationship, and so maybe Amber's just not used to seeing that, but just the idea of Amber's dad being, like, a worse person than Johnny Depp? This girl was definitely dealt a bad hand. Then Amber says she wishes she could get Johnny's friends, bodyguard, and sister to stop supporting and enabling his addictions, but there are too many people dependent on him for financial support. And yeah, yeah, there are. And they all testified against you in court. Goddamn. But she says that she loves Johnny and he loves her. She just doesn't like the bad Jay. Then on December 19th, it says, Continued discussing relationship with Jay. He was extremely drunk when he came to her apartment. She was angry. He began screaming and cursing. Argument became so loud that the landlord threatened to call the police. Doesn't know what to do when he gets like that. Then she didn't hear from him and she got worried. But she was still certain that she could help Johnny get sober. Ugh, okay. It really, like, a lot of this stuff does give me flashbacks to different audio recordings and different text messages and stuff that I've already gone through and I went through months ago because I remember that recording of Amber and Johnny arguing after Amber filed for the restraining order and she was like crying and telling Johnny that she thought that if he could just get sober they would be okay and he says something back to her like I'm never getting sober ever and it's like really fucking disturbing and cruel like the inflection in his voice and the fact that you can hear that she's just fucking sobbing like oh it's so sad but it it's all just like right here like she really did think that she could get him sober and she didn't succeed but her intention was pretty consistent throughout the relationship but there was some temporary relief because december 27th it says jay better but not sure he will stay sober he will not but this is going to happen multiple times where Johnny gets better and then gets worse again. January 18th. Had a good time on vacation, but there were times when she believed she knew what it was like to be her mother. Said she was reluctant to tell me what happened because she knew what I would say. Jay was very drunk, using, angry. Tried to calm him down, asked him not to drink or use so much, which made him angrier. Admits screaming back at him. He hit her, threw her on the floor, she threw pot at him. Told her she dresses like a whore and was not to wear low-cut dresses, shirts, etc. After he sobers up, he's always apologetic and sweet. Wants sweet Jay around more. Now, in her testimonies, Amber said that the first time Johnny hit her was early 2013. However, this note took place in January of 2012, and she was already alleging physical abuse to her therapist. She said that he hit her... He threw her on the ground, and it got to the point that she had to throw a pan back at him. Now, if you follow the kind of Johnny Depp supporting theory that Amber faked these notes or forged them, or she was telling her therapist this stuff and it was always a lie and she was just framing Johnny the whole time, any of that stuff where this is all bullshit and Amber's lying... This could be seen as like a contradiction in Amber's story because she says the abuse started on a specific date in one place and then 
a different date appears to be mentioned on these notes. But really, once abuse becomes prevalent in a relationship, it gets really hard to remember every specific incident. Stuff is going to blur together. So when Amber is giving her legal testimony of her abuse, she's going to reduce the allegations down to a select number of memorable incidents to exemplify it. She might get dates wrong, or she might mix events up, or perhaps in this case what I assume happened is that early 2013 was just the first incident that Johnny ever like slapped her across the face and that to her maybe crossed a line where she would say that the worst of the abuse started there. Perhaps him pushing her to the ground or just hitting her. I don't know what like hitting her really means. It could be like a slap on the arm or something. I don't know. It's probably more severe than that, but maybe whatever was happening in this period wasn't severe enough that Amber thought that that was an event worth recounting. Or she could have even just forgotten. So does it like technically contradict the claim that the abuse started in early 2013? Yeah, it technically does contradict that, but it contradicts it in a way that is really understandable for the circumstances. It's a bad move from a PR standpoint, but that's mostly just in hindsight. How could Amber have predicted that all of this would get so far that the public was going to gain access to her therapy notes? But unfortunately, it does add to the depth-supporting narrative of like, oh, she's just adding stuff on now. But uh, she's not. I mean, again, these therapy notes were definitely written by Dr. Jacobs, and they were definitely written back in the time that these sessions were happening. So the only way that these could be seen as a contradiction that actually vindicates Johnny is if you take on the idea that Amber was telling Dr. Jacobs this stuff just years in advance of when she was actually going to make the abuse allegations. And that is just ridiculous. I, I don't see any reason to believe that Amber Heard is that conniving or that she thinks that far ahead. Nobody thinks that far ahead. Especially for something like this where there's really no, no benefit in making these allegations. I mean, the Washington Post article she's being sued for didn't even mention Johnny's name. Like, I, why would she go through all those years of setup for, like, no payoff whatsoever? It doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, Amber Heard was being abused and these therapy notes are real. I feel like a broken record, but it's like every bit of this where I even try to come at it like, oh, okay, I guess I can kind of see what Johnny Depp supporters are saying here. It's like, okay, but to what end, though? Yeah, you can say that she kind of contradicted herself, but... That still doesn't mean that Johnny Depp didn't abuse her. Whatever. February 2nd, it says that Amber was getting to know Johnny's children better. She was closest with his son and his daughter was a bit standoffish. There are other mentions of Johnny's kids throughout this and I'm probably not gonna get into all of it. But I do want to just put that out there because Johnny made the claim that Amber and his children never got along and... That appears to not be true. And there are also, like, text messages and stuff between Amber and uh, Lily Rose. And also text messages between Lily Rose and Johnny, where Lily was telling Johnny that Amber was so good for him. So perhaps they did have some sort of falling out at some point. Maybe Amber and his kids don't get along to this day. Maybe they didn't get along when they were getting married, and that's why they weren't at the wedding. I don't know. But it is definitely a bit of a lie to say that Amber and his kids never got along. They, they did at some point, so 
It also says that Johnny was struggling financially and might need to sell one of the boats he loves and struggles with Johnny's finances are also pretty consistent. Not, I mean, there are a couple other times that they're mentioned in the notes, but also just completely outside of anything to do with Amber Heard. There have been so many different stories about Johnny Depp and like his business managers and his his reckless, reckless spending. I mean, that's also something that just kills me about this case is that some of the reason that Johnny Depp's career failed definitely cannot be attributed to Amber Heard. Definitely not. Anyway, it also says uh, Johnny wanted Amber to wear sexy nightgowns, but she was embarrassed if his kids were in the room, which that part was fucking gross to me. Why does he want her to do that with the kids around? Whatever. He's a gross, gross man. February 13th, it says Amber talked about how difficult it is for her to not enable Johnny's behavior. She said that Johnny gets drugs from his friends, his bodyguard, and his sister. Sister is also his manager and works to keep him happy so he can financially support the family. I don't know how much I've talked about this on the podcast, and I didn't really put anything about it in my timeline, though maybe I'll go back and add it, because I do think it's, like, kind of relevant to the relationship between Amber and Johnny's sister, but while a lot of the stuff was going on with Johnny's business managers and he was in a lawsuit with them, there was plenty of evidence uncovered that Johnny's sister is, like, stealing directly from his bank accounts. Like, she was just spending his money as if it were her own, and Johnny did not know about it. So, not only is Johnny's sister being paid by him, she's also allegedly stealing from him, or she at least allegedly was for a time. I don't know if that's an ongoing thing, but it kind of makes sense. If I were Johnny's sister and I knew that I had done some fucked up shit with his money, I'm not gonna, not gonna rock the boat and piss him off by not letting him do a bunch of drugs and shit. I mean, really, thinking about it, I wouldn't steal from my brother and I wouldn't enable his addictions. But if you're already doing one, you might as well do the other, I guess. So that's something to keep in mind, too, about any of the testimony that Christy gave in the in the trial. She definitely has a stake in this, not only because she's being employed by Johnny, she literally has allegedly committed crimes against Johnny. So yeah, she's probably a pretty big kiss-ass at this point. And the notes also say people are willing to get Johnny whatever he wants because he's a celebrity and he pays them. Yeah. Yeah. February 27th, Amber reports being panicked when Johnny takes off for days and she doesn't hear from him. She said that Johnny's sister told her he does that on occasion. She thinks that he goes on benders and might get hurt, and she's pretty sure that he's cheating on her when he does that. This is another really important thing to note about the relationship between Amber and Johnny at the time, because... Johnny has gone on to depict Amber as extremely anxious and needy to the point that he couldn't leave the house or else she would freak out, or when they had fights, she would follow him around from room to room, and the thing about that is, there are parts of Johnny's testimony that were just full-out lies, and there were also parts of it that were true, but removed from context, and this is one of those things, because... Part of the pattern of their fighting seems to be that Johnny would leave for days at a time without contacting Amber at all to the point where she would eventually panic whenever they had a fight 
And he did so much as leave the room. Like, he set up this situation in which Amber became very anxious any time he tried to get any sort of alone time, but then he could use that later to manipulate information to make it seem like Amber was actually really, really controlling and wouldn't let him leave a room ever. Not because of anything that he did, but because she was just so crazy or something. And that is straight-up Darvo, portraying Amber's reactive behavior of abuse as acts of abusive behavior. Johnny said that Amber didn't like it when he would see his friends, implying that she was super controlling and wanted to isolate Johnny socially, but Johnny's friends appear to have been enabling his addiction, which Amber directly attributed to his abuse of her. So of course, she didn't want Johnny hanging out with his friends. That's actually kind of reasonable when put into its proper context, but when taken out of context, it makes Amber look really bad. And that is, like, the perfect representation of Darvo. It's not just encapsulated in the singular acts of physical violence, like any of the times that Amber apparently threw pans or cans at Johnny or any time that she actually hit him. That is Darvo. That is reactive abuse. But... Darvo also explains the fact that Amber spent a lot of her time in that relationship on edge, worried about how Johnny was going to respond to something, and always being on edge probably made her look very emotionally unstable, which Johnny can then use as evidence that she was the abusive one. Then on March 5th, we have another claim that's gonna come up a few more times, both in these, in these sessions and also in the allegations outside of these therapy notes, and it says that Amber and Johnny saw each other, and Johnny gets angry and jealous when she is photographed with men eating out. Amber told Johnny that those were just her friends, but he doesn't care. Four days later, on March 9th, uh, Amber is again afraid that her dad is going to slip up and tell people about her and Johnny. Johnny says they're going to go public soon, but she's getting kind of tired of sneaking around. Johnny says that he will drink and use less, but that does not last long. April 2nd, it says, Amber still feels badly about doing nothing when Johnny needs to be taken to bed. She is struggling with letting him stay on the floor when he passes out. And her and Dr. Jacobs discussed how no consequences to substance abuse behavior is enabling the user. On April 10th, they continued discussing codependent behavior and how just checking up on Johnny and her parents is codependent. Amber said that she was afraid if she didn't hear from Johnny that he was hurt or wanted to break up. Her therapist told her that this is controlling behavior to keep her hooked in. Amber says she loves him and she doesn't understand how it's controlling. Amber said that Johnny becomes enraged when she nags him about drinking and drugging. And again, there is so much shit in Johnny's testimony that when you buy into his narrative makes it seem like, oh, Amber was just like trying to control all of his behavior all the time. But when you really, really listen to it and you take it in the full context of the fact that Johnny is an abuser of alcohol and drugs, and he admits that, like he's talked about his struggles being sober, even just taking that into account, if you don't even totally believe Amber's story, it's still very clear that Johnny is just mad about Amber nagging him. That is most of the complaints that he has about his relationship with Amber, It was that he wanted to do drugs and hang out with his friends and do their drugs, and Amber didn't want him to do drugs. And she told him that, and she was nagging, and she was annoying about it. What did he call her, a lesbian camp counselor? 
Anyway, Amber said that he stays out with his friends and doesn't get in until early morning. He's missed a number of work, meetings, and call times because he's too messed up to get there. Her therapist pointed out that keeping track of his appointments is codependent. April 26th, Johnny claims he's getting help for his substance abuse, but he is seeing a psychiatrist, not a psychologist. And the difference in that is that a psychiatrist really is just supposed to, like, prescribe you medication. I mean, not all of them are going to prescribe you medication, but they, like, prescribe a treatment plan. Whereas a psychologist is more like a talk therapist, like what Amber is doing here, where she's telling someone about her issues and has an outlet to vent about stuff and explore, like, her trauma and shit. That's not what a psychiatrist does. A psychiatrist, especially in Johnny's case, is most likely just prescribing him medication, which could be a very important part of a lot of people's mental health treatment. That's fine. But when you're a drug addict and you are only seeing a psychiatrist and not a talk therapist, it's a little sus. Seems like you might just be trying to get drugs from a different outlet. And I didn't realize this when I first started looking into all this stuff. I don't know why I never really looked up Dr. Kipper, who is Johnny's doctor, but I found out recently that he has a history with other celebrities, other celebrities who are struggling with substance abuse, particularly Ozzy Osbourne, who filed a complaint against Dr. Kipper because he said that he was overprescribing medication to Ozzy to the point that he was taking like 42 pills a day which is insane. And there was a period in which Dr. Kipper was possibly going to have his license revoked. He was under investigation by the Medical Board of California, who accused him of gross negligence in the care of eight patients. So, uh, Dr. Kipper fucking sucks, and it doesn't totally surprise me that this is the doctor that Johnny went with, because I'm sure he was giving him all kinds of medication that Johnny found very helpful in enabling his addiction. Anyway, it says that Johnny seemed to be using less, but was still using. Amber reported that they were not having as many arguments, and she was glad they were getting along better. Doesn't last long, though, because on May 17th of 2012, she said that she went out with a male friend, and Johnny got upset. He had also been starting to get annoyed when she was seen with some female friends who weren't Ayo or Rocky, because Amber is bi. And fun fact, bisexual women are almost twice as likely as heterosexual women to face intimate partner violence, especially because bi women are often hypersexualized, and we can see that in how frequently Johnny slut shames Amber and accuses her of cheating on him. Those are things that he absolutely did do. There are audio recordings of him mocking her and implying that she only got certain jobs because she wears revealing clothing, or there was the whole time where he wrote stuff about her, like, sleeping with Billy Bob Thornton on the, the, like, lampshade or whatever while he was graffitiing the house in Australia. Like, evidence of Johnny being incredibly jealous and really upset with Amber for wearing certain outfits, that exists outside these therapy notes. It exists outside of just what Amber has said. We have evidence of Johnny doing that shit. So, it just kills me because... Even if you don't believe any word that comes out of Amber's mouth, there's just evidence of this stuff outside of her word. I mean, even in Johnny's own testimonies, he admitted to being upset that Amber had a painting in her house from an ex-girlfriend, and he admitted to being upset about one of Amber's female friends getting, like, too snuggly with her when they were camping. And 
A huge aspect of the abuse that he alleges Amber committed on him is his claim that she was just, like, constantly cheating on him. Like, he pulled CTV footage of her standing in an elevator with James Franco and Elon Musk in order to prove that she was cheating on him, which isn't proof at all, especially because a lot of that footage came after they were, like, very clearly breaking up. But to him, he thinks that's, like, a slam dunk. Like, oh, yeah, see? She sucks. She was cheating on me the whole time. When Amber says, like, um, part of his abuse was he was accusing me of cheating on him all the time. Like, ay ay ay. All right, let's let's move on. May twenty fourth, Amber said that she often feels uncomfortable when Johnny touches her if he's drunk, and she said that Johnny had trouble maintaining an erection while high. He gets angry and sometimes violent when that happens, and he blames her for his failure. I'm gonna talk more on that in a second. But then, uh, June 28th, 2012, um, Amber's dad and Johnny are officially drinking buddies. Love that. August 7th, Amber not really feeling well. She was having a rough time with Jay. He disappeared, came late, Amber was worried. They argued about who Amber was seeing. Johnny thinks that she's cheating. She denied it, but he was in a rage. He threw things, glass flew near her head. But she still can't bring herself to not come over when Johnny is drugged or drunk. She says that she fears he will get hurt. August 19th, they are still not going public with their relationship because he is protecting her. Amber said that she was afraid of bad publicity, which... Oh no. I've got bad news past Amber. But then, on September 28th, 2012, it says, Fighting with Jay again. He is violent, throwing things, some hit her, she's screaming back, started with he was upset about her clothes, ripped her nightgown, threw her on bed, tried to have sex with her but couldn't get an erection, became more angry, and passed out. So this kind of mirrors allegations that Amber would later make about um, that camping incident where her and Johnny were fighting in a trailer and he allegedly ripped her nightgown. Now... I specifically remember, during the five-hour-long episode, going through this incident and this being, like, the first thing where I thought there wasn't much precedent for Johnny's behavior, because everything that Amber had alleged to that point, that he, um, he was jealous about the painting, which Johnny even admitted to, that he would throw things, that he would get drunk and loud and break stuff, like, all that stuff made sense with prior incidents that I did know happened because of other things in Johnny's past, like, he has been arrested multiple times for, like, destroying furniture and getting into fights, yada yada. All of that seemed pretty par for the course for Johnny. The incident in Hicksville was the first time that Amber said something where I was like, oh, I don't know that I've seen anything that really shows that Johnny had a habit of, like, tearing people's clothes off or anything, because that's, that's kind of an extra violent thing to do. It's very violating. It is, it's sexual assault, really. Even if you don't, like, do anything after that, just tearing someone's clothes off of their body is sexually violent. So, I didn't know that there was really a precedent for Johnny doing that at the time, which didn't make me think that Amber was lying. I was just trying to be as, like, fair as possible and say that that's, like, the one thing that I don't know there's an established pattern for. But 
it appears that that did happen prior because this is in 2012. The Hicksville incident wouldn't happen until 2013. So at least a year prior, we have a separate incident of Johnny ripping Amber's nightgown and throwing her on the bed and trying to have sex with her, which is obviously like that's assault, that's rape. And the same thing with the later incident in Australia where he allegedly raped her. I said again, like, I don't know if that allegation is consistent with the pattern that we've seen prior. And again, that didn't mean that I didn't believe that it happened. I did believe her, but just like devil's advocating or whatever, the way that it was brought up in the trial made it almost seem like that was a very isolated event, that sexual abuse wasn't a constant in their relationship, that it was mostly just the alcohol and the fighting and the physical abuse. But then there were like these small moments of sexual assaults, like the one ripping of the nightgown in Hicksville and then the rape in Australia. And those two seemed to be isolated incidents. And with the rape in Australia, Amber said that Johnny put a broken bottle in her or um, he said he put a bottle in her and maybe she was worried that it was broke. I don't remember exactly what she said, but he put a bottle in her, which at the time I was like, that is a very weird thing to do. Like, even as far as rape goes, that's kind of an extra step to be so intent on violating someone and hurting them that you get a foreign object and put it in their body. Like, that is, that's just an extra thing to do. And at the time, it seemed like that kind of came out of nowhere. But throughout these notes, and also with stuff that Amber was trying to submit into evidence in the trial, there's a lot about Johnny suffering from erectile dysfunction, which is not uncommon for people who are really drunk or on drugs. That can happen. And it's not totally uncommon for men who are already abusive and are struggling with erectile dysfunction to assault their partner while they are upset about their own, like, incompetence. I don't know if that's the right word, because that sounds really mean. Like, oh my god, you're so incompetent. But you know what I mean. Like, if they can't get it up, it pisses them off, makes them more likely to assault their partner. Obviously not everyone with erectile dysfunction. But for people who already have abusive patterns, that can be a trigger point. So the amount that that's brought up in these notes definitely, definitely reinforces to me that Amber was 100% telling the truth about those incidents. And this is the kind of um, hard thing about Amber's testimony and about just testifying as like an abuse victim in general, because Amber wanted to give the highlights of her abuse in the trial to prove that she did, in fact, suffer abuse. Those were all kind of just examples that she brought up in the court case, in the filing for her restraining order. She can't go through every single act of abuse throughout their entire relationship because it was so consistent. She's gonna give you the highlights. And that makes sense. And I understand why Amber and her legal team decided to approach the case in that kind of way where she was mostly talking about like specific isolated incidents. That is a totally reasonable thing for her to do, but I do think it was somewhat of a miscalculation because what would have been more effective would have been for her to discuss the more, like, small acts of violence that don't seem quite as, um, sensational in a way. Because when you hear 
he raped me with a bottle and you don't have any sort of setup before that of like there were also less severe acts of sexual violence prior that kind of laid the groundwork for that assault then it seems like that allegation came out of nowhere and it makes someone who already is doubting amber's story double down and say like oh she's just she's just trying to make up stuff that she knows sounds horrible but that's not a realistic thing that someone would just one day do is rape their partner with a bottle and had Amber talked more about the persistent sexual abuse beyond just that one incident and the incident in Hicksville, I think that would have been a bit more effective in convincing people that that act actually did not just come out of nowhere, and that was just an escalation of events. However, while I think that it would have been more effective for her to do that, I also don't think that it's a totally fair thing to ask of her, because... In order to do that, she would have had to go outside of the kind of matter-of-fact way of discussing the abuse, and she would have had to talk about it as a longer period of her life, which would be probably way more triggering, because she would have to really relive that trauma and confront the fact that those were years of her life where she dealt with that shit on a daily basis. Of course, she knows that. And of course, it's already going to be triggering for her to discuss isolated events in that trial. She did get very emotional at certain points, but she didn't always lay the groundwork for how that abuse escalated over time, which I think did her a big disservice. And it just sucks that the most effective thing for her to have done on that stand is possibly also the most psychologically self-destructive thing for her to do and how it would have caused her to relive moments of her life and go back through to remember not just these really heightened moments of trauma but also all of the the smaller things that led to those moments I, that's a hard thing to think about because it's very common for victims of abuse to blame themselves and amber does we're gonna see later on and when you have to think about like, oh, what were all those smaller moments that indicated that these bigger things were going to happen? What were the red flags prior to that point? It makes you think about it as something that like maybe you could have prevented. Like maybe if Amber had done something when he was ripping her nightgown in 2012, he wouldn't have ripped it again in 2013. Of course, it's not actually her fault. She couldn't have known that all of this stuff was going to happen. She was trying to be a good person and a good partner by being there for Johnny in his worst moments. But looking back on it, yeah, you're gonna think maybe if I had taken a stronger stance there, then all this other stuff wouldn't have happened. So in a way, I, I almost think it's probably easier for her to talk about those really big moments of violence because she can at least just recount the details of it enough to say to a jury like yeah he did abuse me here's an example might be harder to go all the way back and explain the entire dynamic of the relationship moving on october 2nd 2012 johnny is being nice yay he's sorry for their fight dr jacobs discussed the cycle of abuse with amber but johnny was promising that he would get clean this time he had still been missing some appointments because of his use uh, but, you know, maybe that'll turn around. And then, uh, he also told Amber that they would go public with their relationship soon. But guess what he doesn't do? 
Seven days later, uh, Jay not using Sense Fight, love that, does better when they're together, Amber is sure she can help him stay clean, and it appears that she might be succeeding at this point because two days later, it says Jay is still sober, they had spent some time with his kids and his mother, Amber describes Johnny's mother as very demanding and nasty. She says that both of Johnny's parents were abusive when he was young, but his father was worse than his mother. Johnny's father abused all of them when they were younger, but his mother allowed it by staying. So there you go. It's Johnny's mom's fault because she stayed with the abusive man. And again, yeah, if you are a parent, you do have a duty to your children to keep them in safe environments. So I do think that yeah, moms who keep their kids in homes with abusive fathers bear some responsibility, but not quite as much responsibility as the abusive fathers. Anyway, October 24th, uh, the only real note here is that Amber is tired of hiding her relationship with Johnny. Then on November 1st, uh, Johnny wasn't around. Amber doesn't want to feel dependent on hearing from him to be calm. November 15th, Johnny wound up drinking with her dad, and it says that Amber's dad is a misogynist who says horrible things about how women should be treated to Johnny. Sometimes Johnny becomes verbally and sexually abusive after spending time with Amber's father. He throws her on the bed and has angry sex with her, which uh, is rape, but I think Amber is not quite ready to, to really internalize that yet, and that's fine. We'll give her time. But if Johnny is drunk and can't perform, he gets angrier and blames her for his incompetence. She says she feels responsible. November 28th, they continue discussing addict behavior that she didn't cause and therefore can't fix. And Amber thinks that Johnny's psychiatrist is just another yes man because Johnny is rich and famous. December 20th, Johnny got drunk and passed out on the couch and Amber left him there and went to bed. Good job, Amber. Then, March 6, 2013, they are finally going public with their relationship. Amber says that she feels relieved that they don't have to sneak around anymore, but Johnny went to a Rolling Stones concert and didn't ask her, which was really hurtful because Johnny knows that she loves the Stones, and she kept asking why he would do that. She said she felt uncared for and unloved, and she feels punished for complaining about Johnny's using. Still. She is sure she can change him. That's, that's what's written in these notes. It says, disgust, addiction, and domestic violence, emotional abuse, and control. She is sure she can change him. Very common thing for a lot of abuse victims to think, but it still hurts me to read. March 11th, Amber is distraught by Johnny's behavior. The tabloids are saying that he broke up with Vanessa to be with Amber. People are saying vicious things about her, which hurts her feelings because they don't know her. And that again, oh, this poor girl. She doesn't even know how bad it's gonna get. She said that she's not very good at ignoring people or defending herself, and I know. I know you're not that good at defending yourself. It's okay. You have other talents. And you shouldn't have to defend yourself the amount that you have had to do that. But yeah, I mean, I'm glad to know that Amber does know her weaknesses. Then she says that Johnny tells her to ignore it, but she wants people to know the truth. Good luck with that. I mean, we're getting there, slowly, but yeah, that sucks that she, she felt that way even back then. And 
this was nowhere near in comparison to the amount that people don't know the truth now. Anyway, she said that studios protect Johnny and not her. Word of Johnny's drinking and drugs hardly ever make tabloids. No one knows how many times he has thrown things at her and other people or shown up late to call times because of drugs or alcohol. Now, I have to say, she is right in that people don't know how often it happens, but I do remember seeing stuff about Johnny's drinking and his unprofessional behavior on set prior to the abuse allegations, so it was definitely out there, and that is another really outrageous thing to me about even just the defamation claims, even if you think that Amber was lying. The idea that those claims that she made in the Washington Post can be held responsible for the entire downfall of Johnny's career when it was already going downhill while they were married. Whatever. March 18th, uh, Amber's mom was telling her not to be so hard on Johnny and to get along more. She got angry with her mom about that, rightfully so, because her mom enabled the abuse of her father for so many years, so, you know, doesn't have a lot of room to be giving advice. But when Dr. Jacobs asks Amber why she puts up with so much of Johnny's behavior, she said that she still loves him and feels like if things were more stable, they would be fine. She said that Johnny's children were usually not present when Johnny hit or belittled her, but she told Dr. Jacobs about a recent incident in which Johnny threw her against a wall and threatened to kill her while they were at her apartment. Her landlord called the police, but she said that everything was fine. Johnny was back to being loving and nice again. He was sorry he hurt her. Amber acknowledges that she screamed back and put him down. She said she doesn't know what to do when he gets out of control like that. So Dr. Jacobs suggested that she go to a friend's house or somewhere safe. April 11th, Amber was planning to go out for her birthday. She said she was glad to not be sneaking around anymore. Her friends were coming. They had rented a big room in a restaurant. But Johnny was drinking and using again. She said he had gotten nasty and grabbed her arm, and then he passed out in her living room, and she did leave him there. Again, good job, Amber. Then she started discussing the possibility of moving in with Johnny, and discussed what that might mean for her safety. Dr. Jacobs expressed some concerns about his blackouts and behavior, but Amber thinks that he'll be better when they live together. April 30th, Amber had fun on her birthday, but Johnny and his friends got drunk. He's using more now. She tries to stay away from him when they're using, but that makes him angry. But he's always sorry the next day. May 8th, Amber can't make Johnny stop drinking. Johnny has been late and missing work because of drinking and drugs. Some friends are angry with him about his behavior and how unprofessional he's been on set. Sometimes he gets so angry with himself that he burns his skin with cigarettes. Amber said she tried to get him to stop, but then he just gets angrier. So I was reading the, um, the depositions and the testimonies of some of the other people who testified at the Fairfax trial, and one of them was a marriage counselor that uh, Johnny and Amber had for a little while. They went to, like, four sessions. Well, Johnny went to one on his own, and then they went to one together, and then Amber went to, like, two on her own. But anyway, when asked about Johnny's self-harm... The marriage counselor at first said that she didn't really recall anything being said about it, but then when asked specifically about Johnny burning himself with a cigarette, she said that that did sound familiar. And that is something that comes up in Amber's testimony, too, because Johnny said that Amber used to burn him with cigarettes, 
She claimed that Johnny used to burn himself, which I do believe quite a bit more because, number one, the thing with the marriage counselor, like, it was already brought up that Johnny would burn himself with cigarettes and the counselor thought that that sounded familiar. Amber is reporting it to her own therapist here. And also, we do have audio recordings of him cutting himself and asking Amber to cut him and her refusing and saying she would never do that and him being like, well, fine, I'll just cut myself myself. And... So, yeah, like, Johnny has a history of self-harm. That is very plainly true. So, if Amber is saying that, yeah, he used to burn himself with cigarettes, that checks out to me. Makes sense. Then, May 13th, Johnny gets jealous about Amber filming with other men. She assures him that she's faithful, but he's unreasonable. He doesn't want her to dress in low-cut or tight-fitting clothes. May 23rd, she is worried that Johnny will use more while she's gone. August 1st, Johnny is using again, and it's really bad. She's been yelling at him about drugs and alcohol. He's falling down, passing out, and committing verbal abuse against her. She screamed at him about his public behavior, like kissing JK on TV. I had to look that up. JK refers to Jimmy Kimmel, I guess. Uh, Johnny kissed Jimmy Kimmel during an interview or something. But she said arguments are more frequent. Johnny is hitting himself and her. Amber told him that she would leave if he didn't stop and get help, but she took it back after he promised that he would. August 4th, it says, still arguing but getting a little better. Johnny has been drinking less. He has not blacked out or gotten violent in the past few days. A reminder, this is August 5th? The last session was August 1st, so only four days have passed here. Where she's like, oh, Johnny's getting better now. Give it a minute, girl. Anyway, it says, uh, Dr. Jacobs reminded Amber that he has not been committed to sobriety and nothing changes unless he changes. Amber is sure that he is willing to get better. Yet again, she mentions that she doesn't like his friends because they just want to hang out and party with him and she feels that they use Johnny. But at least at this point, it does seem like his sister is trying to get him at least more sober. It says that she and his sister are trying to reason with him because he was having trouble with the studios because of his behavior. So now that it's cutting into Chrissy's check, now she's concerned about it. Mm -hmm. August 13th, Amber and Johnny were discussing marriage. She says she wants to have children and Johnny is on board. August 20th, Dr. Jacobs questions that decision, but Amber said that she thinks that things are going to get better because he's not drinking as much. We've got a bit of a gap after that. The next one is January 7th, 2014, and Amber is announcing that she and Johnny are engaged. The holidays were okay for them, but Johnny is using again. Amber feared that she was failing because she couldn't get Johnny sober. January 16th, it says not public with the engagement yet, but happening this month. Johnny and Amber's dad are still drinking buddies, and she had to ban her father from their room at a hotel. When the comparisons between Amber and Johnny and Amber's mom and Amber's dad were brought up again, Amber said that it was different because her mom is an addict too. So that's why Amber might be able to save Johnny, but Amber's mom couldn't save her dad. I see the logic there, Amber. I understand where you're going with that. Don't think it totally checks out, but I, I guess you'll find out in your own time. You live and you learn. January 20th, it says that Johnny was showing up late to work and Amber was trying to get him to not use the night before work. Three days later, Johnny was becoming verbally assaultive. 
He got angry because Amber had dumped some of his alcohol out, which Dr. Jacobs did tell her not to do. January 30th, Johnny's sister is back to fucking shit up. Amber said that his sister helps him get drugs and alcohol, and she feels like too many people are supporting his using. February 3rd, they are planning the engagement party, and Amber was upset because Johnny invited people she doesn't care for because they use and he uses more when he's with them. Then we have an interesting tidbit here, and it says, Discussed prenup. Jay doesn't want one because he says only way one of them leaving marriage is death. Dr. Jacobs asked Amber if she would sign one. Amber said yes, she has no problem with it, but she thinks that what Johnny said was funny and endearing. Dr. Jacobs asked if, given his history, if maybe it's also a little scary, but Amber did not think so. February 12th, Johnny got drunk, he fell and broke a table. Amber left him there passed out and then found him the next morning in his bed. She said she didn't know if he got there himself or if his bodyguards helped. Studio was getting more angry at Johnny because of his no-shows and his behavior, and she was getting worried that he was going to behave badly at their engagement party. March 3rd, 2014, Dr. Jacobs asked if Amber was having second thoughts about the marriage. Amber said yes, but feels like she can help Johnny and will have more say over things once they're married. That is very much not how that works. But given our society often tells women that getting married means they've accomplished something and that they'll be an equal member of the household once they're a wife instead of a girlfriend, I do understand how she came to that conclusion, but it is very, very wrong. Marriage has historically not benefited women very much. Then on March 5th, uh, Johnny told her that she was going to make a short appearance at their party, but was only going to stay for like 20 minutes. I don't understand what the point of having an engagement party is if one of the people who is engaged is only going to be there for 20 minutes. I, I don't understand. Whatever. None of my business. Then on March 17th, Amber said the party was nice, but she was angry with Johnny because he only stayed for a short time. She doesn't give a specific time, so I don't know if it was more or less than the 20 minutes he said he was going to be there. I would guess less, but even so, like, even if he had only stayed for 20 minutes, it's like, okay, yeah, that's what he told you he was going to stay. But, like, that's still a weird amount of time to be at your own engagement party. Just saying. Anyway, he stayed for a short amount of time and then went up to a private room and stayed there most of the night. He was drinking and using with his friends and with Amber's father. She said she tried to get him to come down to see guests multiple times, and they had a screaming argument about his behavior. Two days later, Amber said that she was getting worried about her upcoming part in a movie, and she was worried about Johnny's feelings specifically since she was going to be working lone scenes with James Franco. And if you remember from the general timeline, uh, Johnny does not like James Franco and was often convinced that Amber was cheating on him with James. Amber told him that there was nothing to worry about, but she felt like he was going to cause problems on set. We get like a two-month break after that. The next time Amber sees Dr. Jacobs is May 15th, and someone had posted a photo of Amber with James Franco on set, and Johnny got angry. They had an argument. There was screaming and crying. Johnny threatened to break up with Amber. She assured him nothing was going on. Johnny threw things at her. She left. She was scared. She went to a friend's house. Johnny cut and burned himself. He was drunk and yelling that he was worthless and she didn't love him. 
She said she doesn't know what to do when he self-mutilates. Dr. Jacobs told her to call an ambulance, but Amber said she can't do that because the press will get a hold of it. It's the same reason she doesn't call the police when they fight. Because she knows the cops won't do anything because he's a celebrity, and also, she doesn't want it to go to TMZ. And that is, again, something that has come up outside of these therapy notes. Amber said the reason she didn't call the police was because she didn't want the press to find out. That tracks. That's consistent. Then May 23rd, it said Johnny was better. Amber had talked to Johnny about how scary his behavior was, and he apologized. He is on his best behavior now. And again, Dr. Jacobs discussed the cycle of domestic violence. We have a, like, two-and-a-half-month break after that. Amber comes back to Dr. Jacobs on August 4th, 2014. They discussed feelings about the marriage and Johnny's substance abuse. Amber said that Johnny was getting better and not acting out physically, and she believed that she could manage his problems. She had suggested getting an impartial couples therapist, but Johnny was not up for that. He wants to use someone he knows, if anyone. And that is a kind of eerie statement, because this is the second-to-last session with Dr. Jacobs until 2019. Amber stopped seeing this therapist shortly before actually marrying Johnny, and once they were married, Amber would start receiving all of her health care through doctors hired by Johnny Depp. And we literally have an email that Johnny sent later complaining that his doctors were hired to calm Amber down and, like, get her off his back or something. Something like that is what he wrote. That, like, I hired these people to get her off my case and you were supposed to just give her drugs and calm her down, but... She just got, like, more agitated and was more annoying. That was the gist of this email that he sent. It is very, very frightening that Chani was able to control all of Amber's life to the point that all of the properties they lived in together were owned by Johnny. All of their doctors that the two of them saw were also paid for by Johnny. You can say that... Johnny was so supportive of all of Amber's friends and her family, and isn't it nice that he's paying for their rent and buying them things, yada yada? Like, no, that also seems like another way that he's just taking control of her life by getting even the people that she was already friends with pro-Johnny, you know? Not, not great. So it definitely checks out that Johnny did not want to see an impartial couples counselor. He wanted to use someone he knew and approved of, likely someone who would treat the couple with a bias in favor of Johnny and probably help gaslight Amber into thinking that she was the problem, which is pretty much what happened. We'll get to in a second. But not only did Johnny not want to have an impartial couples counselor, he didn't even want Amber to see her own therapist independently. On August 7th, we have our last note during this relationship from Dr. Jacobs, where she advised Amber that problems usually don't get better with marriage, they usually get worse, which is true. But Amber at the time was still sure that once they got married, everything will get better because she would have more authority in the house. Dr. Jacobs told her that wasn't realistic. And then Dr. Jacobs is no more. Until 2019, that is. The first note coming back is from April 1st, 2019. Amber said that she had wanted to come in sooner but was embarrassed. She reported severe beatings and worse by Johnny. She said he refused to allow her to come to therapy with Dr. Jacobs, and instead she had to go to his guy, 
who gave her medications that she said did not help. She said that her and Johnny went to a therapist together at some point, but she felt like she was being blamed by the psychiatrist and by Johnny. She thought everything must have been her fault, so she stayed. Dr. Jacobs wrote that Amber remembered that he said the only way one of them would leave the marriage was death. And though she wasn't frightened by that statement at the time, it terrified her in retrospect because he could have actually killed her. And he even sent messages to his friends about killing her. That's written in these notes. I'm assuming that's referring to the text messages to Paul Bettany, but maybe there are more. I don't know. After that, Amber kept going back to Dr. Jacobs over the next few months, up until like December 2019th. She might have gone after that too, we just maybe don't have those notes, but a lot of it is dealing with Amber having to relive a lot of the trauma from her marriage because Johnny was suing the son in England. They mentioned that on the, um, in the notes from April 4th, 2019, it says, he's also suing newspaper in England. She needs to testify in England, but it's attorneys for the paper, not her attorneys. She had already spent a lot in the U.S. for legal fees because at this point, Johnny had already filed the lawsuit against Amber for the Washington Post article. And in 2020, she would go to testify in the U.K. So she's trying to put together all of the stuff that happened and put it into like a chronological timeline, which is obviously very triggering for her. And she's incredibly stressed out because she said that the legal stuff was costing her a fortune. She said she thought that Johnny wanted to bankrupt her as punishment for her leaving. She blames herself a lot, says that she feels like she was responsible and stupid for thinking that she could change him. All of it is pretty normal things for an abuse victim to feel. Most abuse victims, though, don't have to deal with this on such a public stage, and she does complain to Dr. Jacobs in here about being attacked in tabloids and on social media. She said that she was sure that Johnny's team was planting stories and releasing personal info about her to make her look bad and take the heat off him, and I agree, I do think they were planting stories. But that's about it. There's a lot of notes about uh, Amber recounting certain events and reliving them, and she had started to experience a lot of nightmares reliving certain moments, especially the fight in Australia where the rape happened and where Johnny or someone <laughs> injured Johnny's finger. But we've been through all that stuff before. The final note that I have is from December 11th, 2019, where she says that her career was starting to go downhill because of all the negative publicity, which, fuck, I mean, I know that, but it just, uh, it sucks to read, because, yeah, she's, she's right, and it's not really getting any better. That was in 2019, and it's 2023 now. I know that the, the Aquaman 2 movie is coming out, and she's in that. Otherwise, I don't really know what Amber's career prospects look like at the moment. But I will say that after reading these notes, I am more confident than ever that shit is gonna turn around for Amber at some point. I don't know how soon, but not only is all this proof coming out in her favor, reading about all the people enabling Johnny and how much he refused to get off drugs and how much he just could not stay sober for very long. It really doesn't matter how good at bullshitting Johnny is or how good at PR he is, how good of a team he has, how much money he can throw at these situations. The fact is, 
He refuses to get clean and he surrounds himself with enablers where he will not take responsibility for himself. And he's also clearly very vengeful to the point that like, he's gonna fuck up again. He's gonna keep making messes that even the greatest PR staff and attorneys cannot clean up. Especially when he's already drawn so much attention to himself with this trial. Amber said years ago, back in 2013, tabloids don't know how often he misses work or hits people while he's on drugs. And yeah, back in 2013, that wasn't a super widespread story. But because of this trial, because he decided to sue the Sun and sue Amber, his private behavior is under more scrutiny than ever, and he does not have his shit together enough to handle that. At all. So even if all this evidence proving Amber right doesn't vindicate her, at some point, Johnny's gonna do something else that does. But uh, like I said, I'm gonna keep adding to the timeline on my website over the next few weeks, so if you have any specific suggestions, just let me know. You can email me, uh, it's just jasmine, J-A-S-M-I-N, at medusany.com, or there's a contact form at my website at medusany.com. Or um, if you're listening to this on Spotify, Spotify added this new like interaction feature to podcasting um, where I guess I can like write a question and you can comment on that in the app. I don't really know how it works because I haven't done anything like it yet, but I'll put like a question thing and maybe you can write right on Spotify if that's where you're listening to this. But so sometime in like April or May, I'm going to do a new video going through this whole timeline with all the updates from the unsealed documents. And um, I also have another video coming out by the end of this month about a different topic. I've been working on it for a while, and I said in the last episode that I thought it would be done by the end of February. Uh, but then I just kept adding to it and changing it and... Then all of these Amber Johnny updates came out, and so I got a little distracted with that. And also, I'm trying to edit it now, but my computer keeps crashing, because it's not really built to deal with such a large video file. Which I already discovered months ago with the video I did about Kim Kardashian. I knew that my equipment was not quite up to the task, but I uh, decided to just do the same thing again anyway for some reason. So, no pressure, but if you ever want to help me out uh, financially, I did set up a tip jar. It's uh, at tiptopjar.com slash medusany, or I'll put a link in the show notes. Again, no pressure. You don't have to do anything, but it would be nice to be slightly less poor. So that video should hopefully be finished by the end of this month. And then a third installment of the Kardashian retrospective series that I started in, like, I don't even know, July of last year. That'll be up at some time in, like, April, I hope. But, uh, that's it. That's it for now. Bye!